How many of you have ever had one of those dreams where you're supposed to be somewhere and in that dream you're running to get there but the faster you run, the more behind you get? Ever had one of those? I mean, mine always involves church. Mine always involves going somewhere to preach and I'm supposed to be at a certain place to preach and I'm doing everything I can to get there and yet in the midst of trying to get there, it seems the faster that I'm trying to get all my stuff together and do all the things that, that I'm, I'm just running and running and running, but I'm never ever arriving at where I want to arrive. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what I want to refer to as destination life that you are running somewhere, you're going somewhere, you're, you're trying to get somewhere, and that is you're trying to get to the place that you are living the life that God has for you, that you are ex not just existing, but that you are truly having that John 10, 10 life, that life that is more than abundant. How many of you want that kind of life for you? Now, to get there sometimes, we kind of have to go through some things. And we kind of have to experience some issues in life at times that, that we really don't look forward to, uh, but they're just kind of part of the nature of what, what, what has to happen as we're moving forward. And so for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be studying the life of Jonah. So if you want to take your Bibles today, go to the Old Testament book of Jonah. And in just a moment, I want to read to you a couple of verses of Scripture out of Jonah chapter 1. As you're doing that, let me greet the campuses this morning. We're glad that you are with us today. I am believing that 2011. 11 is going to be your greatest year, that the power of God is going to minister to you, and that you truly are going to find your destiny in this year as we move forward with God. The Old Testament book of Jonah, it's referred to as one of the minor prophets, not because he's any less important, but just because his book is that much smaller. Uh, but, but what we find is, would you look there in the book of Jonah, the first chapter, uh, beginning in verse number one? I would tell you what page to go to, but we've got too many different Bibles. So go to page 632, you'll be close. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out or prophesy against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah is given an assignment. Here's what Jonah is told to do. Jonah, I want you to leave your nice, comfortable life. I want you to leave everything that you're familiar with. And what I want you to do is I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to prophesy that I'm getting, getting ready to destroy them. Now, have you ever had God kind of show up in your life and tell you something you didn't want to do? Anybody but besides me? It seems like almost daily with me. I mean, I, I find myself quite often, God says, you need to do that. You know, I re and sometimes it's not, uh, you know, some great big something. Some, sometimes it's just, you know, that, well, love your neighbor thing. Especially after their dog's been in your yard, you know, or, or in your garbage. Or, or it's just, it's, you know, it's, and it's just like, I don't want to. Come on, am I the only one? Am I the only one that ever argues with God? I mean, are you guys in, in such perfect harmony with the Lord that, that you just never struggle, you just never, you're just always doing exactly what, I mean, there, there are those moments, and, and, and Jonah's having one of those moments because he understands, listen, Nineveh is not a resort. 
Nineveh is not like going to the Bahamas and hanging out on the beach. Nineveh is a mean city. Uh, Nineveh, the, the, the Ninevites were the kind that if they captured you in battle, one of their favorite things to do with people that they captured in battle was to bring them to the central part of the city and literally to skin them alive. And everybody would come and watch this and have a big party. You know, you'd all get drunk as you watch somebody being skinned. I mean, and, and God says, hey, I want you to go and tell them uh, that I'm getting ready to destroy them because of their wickedness. Jonah says, I don't think so. You know, and, and so what I want to talk to us today about is I want to talk to us today about man on the run. I mean, he is running from God. He says, I, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. There are moments in your life where God shows up, and again, through the Word of God or through the preaching of God or maybe through uh, Him speaking to you some way, He shows up and He says, here's what I want you to do. And sometimes you're just excited to do it. I mean, it's just wonderful. It's, oh, yes, this will be the greatest thing ever. And then sometimes He shows up and says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. And you say, huh? What did you say, Lord? Could you speak that again? And then you start doing that fleecing thing. Right? And and here's here's normally the fleece. When God's told me to do something that I don't want to do, and then I do the whole fleecing thing, which, by the way, is not really faith. It's really doubt for all of you who have been doing it. And and so I say, okay, God, you said go to Nineveh. Now, here's what I want you to do, Lord, is that I I want uh, five elephants to walk by me in the next six seconds and if they do then I will know that that is your will for me to go to Nineveh my luck the circus comes to town and then, then I, then I kind of flip it. You know, you kind of do the other thing, kind of, you know, the whole deal there if you remember the whole story. And, and then you say, now, Lord, if you don't want me to go, uh, I'm going to stand out here on Oilwell Road. And if in the next 10 minutes a Ford pickup passes by, that means you don't want me to go. I mean, this is redneck country. Oh, come on. Uh, you know, with... with gun in the back and antlers on the side. I mean, you know, you, you can dress that one up whatever you want to, and you're going to get that one. And, and so Jonah is kind of there. Jonah's in this place saying, God, I don't want to go. And, and he says, I, I think what I'll do is, is I'll just run the other direction. And, and most of you kind of know the story. Jonah, uh, you know, he says, I'm, I'm not going. In fact, the Bible says he went the very opposite direction. Uh, and, and he begins to run away from God, and he gets on this boat. And, and we'll go through the whole story over the next few weeks. And, and let me just tell you on the front end, I'm going to leave Jonah kind of hanging each week, all right? He, he's not going to really get uh, to the place that he needs to until the last part of this series. I won't leave you hanging, but I'm going to leave Jonah hanging, all right? Uh, but, but today we want to look at that whole first chapter as we begin to see some things because here's, here's what happens. When you begin to run, look in verse 3. Let's just read that. Uh, verse 3 says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction, from. Now watch what it says. He arose to leave from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish and as he paid his fare so he paid his fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord now let me tell you something when you begin to run away from God the first thing that happens to you is that you leave the presence of God 
Read it. Twice in that third verse, it says that he went away from the presence of God. People say, well, now, Pastor, the Bible says that God will not leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll go with us till the end of the age. That is true. But it does not say you can't leave him. It does not say you can't be like the prodigal son. The prodigal son is still a son even though he's not at home. But you can leave the presence of God. And it's interesting there in the progression when you read verse 3, uh, it talks about uh, that he arose. In other words, he got up. But from the time that he gets up, as he begins to leave, it says to flee, to get away from the presence of God. Everything from that point on is down. He goes down to Joppa and he goes down into the boat. I want to tell you something. When you get away from the presence of the Almighty God, I promise you it is always a downhill. It is always going down. You are never, ever going to reach your potential when you get away from the presence of God. And, and so there's this whole thing. How many of you remember? It's, it's this running away. How many of you remember a few years ago that there was a movie out called The Fugitive? Remember that? Harrison Ford and, uh, you know, the, the whole thing about it, he goes, he and his wife are out and, and, and there everything is wonderful and he drops his wife off and he's this renowned surgeon and he has to go to the hospital to perform surgery and while he's there, his wife is attacked and killed and if you remember the story, he comes home, picks his wife up, gets blood all over him, the cops come, on, come to him, long story short, he's convicted of the murder. Then the whole aspect of, you know, the, uh, the, the vehicle overturns, he escapes, and he begins to spend his life on the run. I want to tell you, that's where a lot of believers are today. A lot of us who are, are uh, we, we're Christians, we know Jesus, but we're running. We've left his presence. He said, go to Nineveh, and we said, doesn't sound good. Have you ever had God ask you to do something that you just said, that sounds too difficult? That sounds like the price is too high. I just really don't think that I want to pay that price that you're asking, Lord. And so, listen, here's the deal. God has given us the ability to flee from him. You know what? You can't really love someone if you don't have the ability to hate them you can't have one without the other and i'm not telling you you need to be hating who you love that that wasn't the the format of the sermon but i'm saying that that for you to live in the presence of god means that you have the ability to leave the presence of god have you ever read the scripture where it says pray this way Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know the whole quote-unquote Lord's Prayer. I began to think about that recently. I thought, you know what? All that I am doing is praying what God has already done. Now, don't miss that. Just hang on for a second because I want to show you something. Do you realize that tomorrow to God is just as familiar as yesterday to you? I'll slow down. Come on. Go with me. Go, let, let's go on this journey together. We are always freaking out about what's in the future. But God is already in tomorrow. He already knows. And so when I pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what I am doing is, is that I am bringing myself into alignment with where God already is. 
and I'm saying, Lord, I want exactly what you've already established today in my life because you already have done it before I ever got there. And so just like I know what happened yesterday in my life, you know what's going to happen today, and you know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so, Lord, I don't want to leave your presence. Even if you ask me to go to Nineveh, I want to go to Nineveh because I know you're already there. So whatever it is that God asks you to do, you just need to go ahead and do it because he's already provided. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. So when you begin to understand that, you, you can live not as a person who's always fleeing from the presence of God, but literally from the person who runs into God's presence. Look in verse 4, because we've got we to bring this together today. Verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, let me just tell you this. When, when you leave the presence of God, when you're a person on the run, the second thing that's going to happen to you, not only are you going to leave his presence, but you're going to lose your peace. The, the Bible says it this way. It says that the Lord sent out a great wind. Now, I want everybody to read that carefully. Would you look at your Bible carefully? It does not say the devil sent a great wind. Now, I know some of us are, are really in the faith, and I'm in the faith with you, but it does not say Satan showed up. Here's what I think happened. I think God spoke to Jonah and said, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, don't think so. Heads the other way. I think God looks at Gabriel and says, watch this. <laughs> I don't think he really got excited. He just went, just real quick, just Watch, watch, watch. Come on, Gabriel, watch. And the whole sea turns upside down. He says, he doesn't want to go the easy way. I'll get him the hard way. The, the, the interesting thing is, is that some of you haven't got this yet. I mean, when God has your number, why don't you just go ahead and give up? I mean, you keep fighting. You, you're like the Apostle Paul where, where he's in, he finally encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm God, I'm Jesus, who you persecute. And, and he, look, he talks to, to Paul, and he says, hey, Paul, it's hard to kick against the goads. Now, the goad was what they used when they would try to get the ox to move. It was a pointed stick. And so what God is saying to Paul is, hey, Paul, I've got your number, and every time you kick, you're just bloodying yourself. I don't know why I don't have peace. I do. I don't know why things are a mess in my life. You say, Pastor, are you saying that every time there's trouble in our life that it's of the Lord? No. But I'm also not saying that every time there's trouble in your life, it's of the devil. And that's what we've tried to say. We've said, so, oh, any, anytime there's trouble. But Jonah is God's child. Do you realize that the Word of God says that those that God loves, He chastens? That means He disciplines them. And the Scripture says that discipline at that moment doesn't feel very good. Any of you ever been disciplined? Wow. Any of you ever, you know, got your privileges taken away when you were a teenager? Any of you teenagers ever had your iPhone taken? Your computer privileges wiped out? Well, you know, whatever it is. 
the, the, this, the scripture says that God does that. And in, in Jonah's life, Jonah loses his peace because God shows up and says, Hey, Jonah, you're my kid. And I, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm going to get you. You're going to lose your peace in the midst of this, and there's some other things going to be happening to you, but I want you to understand that I am God, and I am going to get you because you are destined to do something for me. Let me say this to you, and we'll move on. There are some of you here who you're wayward. You're kind of doing your own thing. But let me just tell you, if you've got a praying mama, give up. Just give up. No, I'm serious. I tried it, but I'd have a prayer. I'd, I would be out doing all kind of stuff, and it's none of your business, but I'd be doing stuff that I had no business doing at any level, and I would come home, and I would hear my mama pray, and I'd go, oh, shoot, be, because I knew that God heard mamas because Jesus had one. And so he listens, and when mamas start praying, you, you can just, I mean, you, you can run, but you, you're going to get caught. And, and so I just finally came to the point, you know, and, and, and later I just said, okay, I give up. Mama's praying, I give up. You might as well give up. And, and Jonah doesn't understand this whole dynamic that God's always going to get his man. He's always going to get that person who he's after. Look in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load, etc., etc. Uh, and, and, and then it goes, and I'll, I'll skip through some of this. It says that they go down and they find Jonah, and he's asleep. Now, isn't it interesting that when you bring all the problem to everybody else, you can sleep. I mean, everybody else is up throwing stuff over the side, and Jonah's downstairs sleeping. And, and then it goes on to say, uh, the, the captain said, Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us. And it says, And then they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. The third thing you need to understand is this, is that you, in your life, what you do impacts other people. Well, I, I can just do what I want to. It's just me. No, no, no. What you do impacts someone else. How many of you love reading about David in the Word of God. I mean, David, King David, that mighty man of God, young man, wonderful man of God. And, and I love reading about David until I get to Bathsheba. And when I get there, I go, ooh, this is so bad. And I, I want to jump ahead and get to the part where uh, everything's restored. All right, and, and so you read the story, and David commits adultery, and then he commits murder, and uh, then the prophet shows up and says, uh, you're the one, and he says, the baby's going to die. David goes to the temple, he prays, and, and a few days later, the servants come in and says, hey, uh, i got to tell you something, the baby has died. The Bible says David went home, anointed himself, changed his clothes, came back to the temple and worshiped God. And I love that. I said, oh, yeah, he got it back. Everything's wonderful. But was it? You see, although David made it through, have you read the story of David's family? 
The Word of God says that because of David's sin, that the, that the sword would never depart from his house. And so as you begin to read the rest of the story, what you find is, is that, yes, David made it back. David got it together. David and Bathsheba actually had Solomon, who's going to be the next king. But David's kids suffered. David has a son that rapes one of David's own daughters. That son is then killed by another son. And then that son has the flee and the exile. And then there's another son who comes back and rebels against David and takes the kingdom away from him. And then when that whole thing happens, that son is killed. And now you just look at David's life and you say, David, was it worth the cost of a momentary pleasure? Was it worth what you gave? For the penalty that came into your life. You say, well, pastor, we live in the new covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins, and it does. And I believe with that with all of my heart. But I also believe that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever I do, I will. Even though I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, my decisions have consequences. And those consequences are not just for me, not just what is happening in my life, but my decisions impact those who are around me. And and Jonah's decisions impacted an entire ship of people who were going somewhere because Jonah made a bad decision. The Bible says when they cast lots, they said, Jonah, you're the man. And Jonah says, I know I am. I'm running from God. And they, and they cried out and said, what have you done to us? Look at verse 11. They looked at him after this and they said, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? Because the Bible says, for the sea was growing very or more tempestuous. The, the fourth thing that you have to understand is, is that when you leave the presence of God, when you are running away from what God has told you to do, is that you will always encounter great destruction. Great destruction will always happen. The affair will produce a divorce. Pastor, yeah. The little bit of stealing will produce consequences of a lost job. Destruction will happen. In fact, let me say to some of you who are parents of of younger children, the worst thing you can do is always bail your kids out and never let them suffer the consequences for their actions. Because the quickest way for you to raise a juvenile delinquent is for you to never let them experience the consequences of their actions. Don't write me nasty emails. It's just true. They need to experience the consequences of what's happened. In our lives as believers, we need to understand that there are going to be consequences for the actions that we take. We don't always like them. But I can't always look around and say, you know what, the reason I am experiencing this is because the devil has created it. Sometimes we experience consequences and destruction because of what we've done you can't smoke for 40 years 
and not expect it. Because every time you pick up a pack, it says right here, the Surgeon General has determined. Wow. What we want to do is we want to sow to the flesh all week long and then come to service on Sunday and pray for crop failure. We want to live any way we want to. We want to do anything we want to. We want to exist any way that we want to. And then we want to come and do a quick, uh, Lord, would you please forgive me and just believe that everything's going to be taken care of. And I want to tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful and it will cleanse you anytime you ask for forgiveness. He is just and faithful to forgive you of your sins. I believe that with all of my heart, but I also believe with all of my heart that if I get away from the presence of God, there will be destruction in my life. And I will not enjoy the process. Now what is interesting is, is that as you begin to read the rest of that chapter, after Jonah is finally thrown into the sea and the, and the sea becomes calm, verse 16 says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they understood quickly. It says, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now read the whole setting there when you get home. The Bible says, first of all, they're praying to their gods, plural. They don't know the true living God. Do you realize that according to this scripture, that the only one on the boat who knew God, Jehovah God Almighty, was Jonah? But he's the one who's creating all the problem. Isn't it sad when sinners are better off than Christians? I mean, they're heathens. They serve all kind of gods. They don't know any better. But as soon as Jonah says, uh, I serve the Lord, the Bible says that they were exceedingly fearful. And they offered sacrifices to God and made vows to him. Here's what's interesting that I find in that passage. Even my disobedience can have a positive impact on somebody else when somebody else sees what's going on in my life and goes man I don't want to go through that have you ever looked at somebody and say man I don't know what's happened there but I hope I never have to go through that right now again I'm not trying to preach to you today that every time somebody experiences heartache every time somebody experiences pain or destruction that it's always something they've done I'm not saying that but I'm also not saying that every time we experience heartache or pain or suffering that it's something the devil does either. There are times we're responsible. When I leave, when God says, this is what I want you to do, and I choose to go in another direction, I can promise you destruction is going to come my way. And it's not something we like to hear about. not something we like to talk about. But God speaks to us and says, look, if you run away from me, get ready because I'm coming after you. Now, as intimidating as that may be, it's comforting as well. You ever fled from the presence of God? Come on, have you ever done it? I have. I think back this week. I don't think I have this week, but I have. You know, I've, I've, God said, do this, and I said, I don't want to do that, and 
I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the word. I, don't, I, I just want to get out of your presence. And even when I left his presence, he brought people to me. It was like everywhere I went, I saw Christians. Oh, man, I don't want to see another Christian. Come on. You ever, you, I'm going to talk this way because y'all look way too holy. I mean, I've, I, th there's been times in my life that, that I've done things that I didn't want to see Christians at that moment. And I look up, and here comes a Christian. I'm going, oh, man. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be holy right now. I don't want to say, praise the Lord, brother. It's just, it's just not right now that Christianese is not what I want to ooze out of my vocabulary. And yet, God says, you're my child. You may run, but I'm going to pursue you. I'm coming after you. I wonder in our lives today if some of us are on the run. Is there a possibility that God said, go to Nineveh, and we said, Father, the price is too high. We think we'll go down to Joppa and we'll go down into the boat. And before it's over, we'll go down into the sea. And before it's totally over, we'll have a whale of an experience. <laughs> and I want to help us this morning to bypass the whale. I want to help us today to come to that place and say, you know what? I may have been on the run. But today, I want to come to that place where I say, God, I want to do your will no matter what. Whatever it is you ask me to do, I want to do your will.